0: Now let's turn our attention to God's word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 and verses 12 to 20. And I want to read all of it because God's word is the word that we need to hear, not my commentary on his word. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, Paul says, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, If you hold to the message, I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified wrongly about God that He raised up Christ when He did not raise up. When He did not raise up, if the, if in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is the word of the Lord. David Hume, a philosopher, was a man who believed that knowledge is based on experience derived from our senses. In order to gain knowledge, it's what you experience based on what you can see, smell, taste, touch, and feel. One philosopher who agreed with Hume said this. He said, if anyone were to tell you that a man had died and come back to life, it would be more rational for him to disbelieve than to believe. For David Hume and people like him Uh, To believe that God would raise Jesus from the dead would be foolish. Makes no sense. And you believe in something hokey. Something that uh, makes people not want to be around us. Friends, there are many people who question or do not even believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. I wonder if you've encountered those folks. Not just looking out there at the atheist, but looking at people that you matriculate with. Are there people around you who doubt the veracity of or even just disagree with altogether that Jesus has been raised from the dead? But what about us as Christians? We look at them and say they're not right, but what about us? For those of us in Christ, we believe that God is able to do spiritual things that he would raise up Jesus in a spiritual sense. But do we expect that God can make what is spiritual visible? Do we expect that he could do that? See, we trust Jesus, but do we really believe that Jesus is alive? Do we really believe it, that right now he is sitting, full body, at the right hand of the Father. Do we believe that? See, in our text today, Paul is writing to the Corinthian Christians. Through the preaching of the gospel by Paul, these Corinthians left a life of sin and turned to Jesus. Now, by the way, for those of you who are in in Christ today, you did the same thing. You heard the gospel, whether you heard it as an infant or you heard it as an adult. But you heard the gospel, and the gospel of Jesus Christ was like a mirror. You saw yourself, and you saw the ugliness of your sin. And you turned from sin and turned to the Lord Jesus. This is what the Corinthians did. They were made new, and Paul planted a worshiping community there in Corinth. However, there were many issues in the church. And one of the issues in this Corinthian church that Paul had to address was the fact that some of them didn't believe the truth about the resurrection. They believed that Jesus was raised from the dead, but they had a hard time comprehending and believing that God would raise up those who died in Christ from the dead. they did, they, they couldn't get with it. See, their problem was with the dead and their rising, that when the dead rose, that they would have an experience in their decomposed body. Why would God raise up a dead body? So we reject the resurrection. They could not continue in that existence, but Paul would explain to them what resurrection means. Friends, we're no different from the Corinthians. You see, it didn't make sense to them. And when things don't make sense to us, rationally, we reject it. We reject it. If we can't rationalize it, it must not be true. Because it needs to make sense to me. Oh, we got all the science in the world. Man, people, I mean, just all kind of stuff. Like, people in the labs, people doing stuff. If you can prove it, if I can taste it, smell it, see it, touch it, feel it, then I'm all right with it. I'm okay with it. But if I cannot, I rejected. However, when God works, he works in a way that does not make sense to us. Just look at Jesus. If you read the Gospels, you see when Jesus worked miracles. The text would often say that the people, they were astounded. They couldn't believe that this would happen. That does not make sense. Jesus, how are you going to look at a man who's been paralyzed and just Not touch him, but just tell him to get up and he gets up. How are you going to do that? That does not make sense to me. How are you going to encounter a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, no doctor can help her, and she simply touched your clothes and her blood flow stopped? Or Jesus seeing a funeral procession. A man is dead in, in, in a coffin. Jesus stops the funeral procession and tells that man to get up. It doesn't make sense. But friends, God's ways are not our ways. So looking at what Paul wrote in the text, our main point is this for the text. To deny the resurrection is a denial of Christian existence. To deny the resurrection is a denial of Christian existence. If there is no resurrection, why call ourselves Christians? Why worship Jesus on Sundays? Why are we here? If there is no resurrection, we just here looking at each other. That's it. If he was not raised from the dead. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, why do we seek to do missions in this city and serve the city? Why? It makes no sense. We don't even really know what's good. We're just doing something. If if, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, why plant more churches that will proclaim a Jesus who did not even raise from the dead? Why do we do that? And so with this as our main point, here are two points that, I, that will go, that will be connected to our main point that I want to bring out. First, I want us to see that to preach the gospel is to proclaim that Jesus was resurrected. Verses 1 to 4, to preach the gospel Is to proclaim that Jesus was resurrected. And finally, to oppose the resurrection is to deny one's past, present, and future. To oppose the resurrection is to deny one's past, present, and future. Now, here is the thesis. Because Jesus was resurrected, you and I will be resurrected. Let's look at the first point. In verses 1 to 4, to preach the gospel is to proclaim that Jesus was resurrected. Paul writes again. He says, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important, but I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, the gospel, the gospel. For those of you who are visiting with us, one of our values is the gospel. We want to be a a, a church centered on the gospel, and the aim of that value that we have of gospel is that every person who would call reconciliation home or would be a covenant partner Every covenant partner will be fluent in the gospel. What does that mean? That means every person that joins this church is able to share the gospel with somebody. Every single person. Now, this is how we've defined the gospel as a church. We've defined it as this the gospel means liberation from all forms of oppression and sin through faith in Christ, it is freedom through Christ in every area of life. The aim of liberation is to worship God. I get this from the text. If you go and look in the book of Exodus, when God would go and rescue the Jews from Egypt, they would talk about why are we going to let them go. Moses would go to Pharaoh and say, let let God's people go because we have to go three days and worship. All the laws that were given to the Jews was to worship God rightly in the land that he had given them. Also, this is why Jesus died for our sins, so that we would be made right with God and so that we would worship God rightly. This is what it means to be liberated from sin unto God. When it comes to resurrection, though, most Jews believed that there was a future resurrection. They believed in that latter day, then, yes, the righteous would be raised. If you look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, the text says this. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. But for Greek people, they had a hard time believing in resurrection. They couldn't wrap their minds around it because uh, it just didn't make sense. They could intellectually support that the soul was immortal without a future body. They can they accept that, that it's just about our souls. We don't worry about the body. Now, we can look at the Greeks and say, that's messed up. But you know what? Some of us believe that as well. When we engage with people, we just want to see them saved, but they're hungry. We care nothing about their physical bodies. We just want to see them saved, but they're, 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 they're naked, they're, they're cold, they're sleeping on the street. We don't want to put clothes on their, on their backs because the physical body doesn't matter. It's all about the soul. So Paul, as he began his argument, what he did was he found common ground with the Corinthians. Even though some of them disputed the future resurrection of people, of believers, they would agree on the gospel message that converted them. They believed that Jesus was raised from the dead, and so Paul starts there. He says in the early verses that they received the gospel. This points to the past. All of us in Christ, sometime in the past, placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says they received the gospel. Then he says this gospel they have taken their stand on. This speaks of believing in the present. So you got past and you got present. They are taking their stand uh, on the gospel. And finally, Paul says by which you are being saved. That's future. The gospel is holistic in its impact in our lives. It is past, present, and future. You and I were saved in the past. He is saving us right now, and we will be saved in the future. And so Paul proclaimed that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This is the gospel he claimed that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What the apostles preached was that Jesus died and rose again, but Paul informs us that he died for our sins. Friends, this is the doctrine of substitution. The Bible says in Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death. If you don't trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will pay the price for your sins forever. It's eternal. But in the text, Paul says, Christ died for our sins. Hmm. But here's the key, he didn't stay dead. God raised Jesus from the dead, giving his seal of endorsement on Christ's death for us. Jesus was sinless, and yet he died like a sinner, but God did not let him stay in the grave. He raised him up. Psalm 16 verses 9 and 10 says this, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. When Paul and Peter would quote this, they would agree with David, who wrote this psalm. David, being a prophet, spoke of Jesus' resurrection. He looked out and saw that God would not allow the Messiah, the chosen one, to decay, to stay in the grave, so he raised them up. This is central to the gospel, y'all. We are here because Jesus is not dead. You may have seen the movie Da Vinci I, I didn't. But I know there are people around here talking about his bones exist. If you find bones, I guarantee you they ain't Jesus. Because he's not there. This is what Paul says the gospel is. Now, what we, we have not discussed all of the gospel because we have not talked about his perfect life. We, we, we have not talked about his teaching nor his ascension, yet all of this is a part of the gospel. Jesus did nothing deserving death, yet he took our place, and God raised him up from the dead. There were these two little girls who were behaving badly on Thanksgiving. I mean, they were terrorizing things on Thanksgiving. So much so, they irritated their father so much that the father said to them while at the dinner table, girls, go to your room. Go to your room. And he said it in such a stern way that they knew that they messed up. Do y'all have them parents that when they say something to you, you know you done stepped in it? It's like, yeah, I'm about to walk into a different kind of ministry. In just a minute. And so these girls go to their room. But it broke their father's heart that he would dismiss them from the table. And so after a while, the mother called to the girls and said, girls, come downstairs. Come to the dinner table. And as the girls get down there, they're a little baffled because they see mom, but they don't see dad. And so they asked their mother, where is dad? Mom says, uh, Dad loved you so much, he couldn't change his standard. He could not change his standard, but he didn't want to deny you dinner. So Dad said that he would go and pay the price so that you could come and eat the meal. So while you enjoy the meal, remember that your dad has picked up the tab and he is paying the penalty. Brothers and sisters, when you forget to give thanks for everything else, never forget to thank Jesus for rescuing you, for rescuing me from sin. Christ died for us. He took our place. And the reason we need to give thanks, because often we can be a thankless people. Sometimes we can act like we deserve it. Like, I'm good enough. You need to die for me. Like, I'm worth it. Right? We we, we say that. But the truth is, I deserve death, hell, and the grave. That's what I deserve. But I don't have to go there because Jesus picked up the tab so that I could come to dinner. Do you believe this? Do you believe this today? This is the ground of our faith that Jesus died for our sins. Paul is simply asserting what the Christians believe. Our very existence as believers is based on this truth. It's based on this truth. Jesus' death is verifiable. Now, I didn't look at verses 5 to 8. But you can go there because Paul says he appeared to 500 people at one time. Like, he showed up to the apostles, and he was no ghost. He didn't swoon. Like, he is alive. This is verifiable. And Paul says some people who saw him physically, they're alive today. You can verify this. But our last point, to oppose the resurrection is to deny one's past, present, and future. I'm going to read verses 12 to 19 again. Paul says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Paul here gives us some consequences for not believing the resurrection. Again, the reason that the Corinthians didn't believe the resurrection is because it was hard for them to fathom that those who died in Christ, bodies decaying, that God is going to raise up that body. They they, they didn't want a bodily existence like that. Not a quote. So Paul engaged their thinking with a series of questions with the hypothetical discussion. In the first hypothetical discussion, he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ is raised from the dead. Again, Paul is just dealing with the obvious. Friends, if there is no resurrection, Jesus did not be raised, was not raised from the dead. He's still in the grave. He died for nothing. Next, Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain and so is your faith. So he's carrying this logic on. If Christ has not been raised, then the apostles were wrong in what they were preaching. Their preaching was in vain, so why preach? Why am I standing up here pontificating on the fact that Jesus has been raised when he has not been raised? Why am I doing it? It's in vain. It's useless. The content of our preaching it's wrong because it's, there is no basis of truth in it. If this is true, again, why are we here celebrating a resurrected Jesus when he is not raised? I don't know about you, but there are people I know who would deny that Jesus is even real, and they would deny, even if he was real, that he was not raised from the dead. They connect them to the, an Egyptian god, Horus, and, and they just have all kind of theories about who Jesus is, they deny his resurrection. If this is true, those who preach God's word, they're lying. According to verses 15 and 16, here Paul says, moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. See, what makes this appalling is if we're preaching that Jesus has been raised when he has not, we're lying on God. I was in, uh, in Memphis, and I think every state has its slang. And Memphis, Tennessee certainly has its own slang. You can walk up on somebody, and when they want to tell the truth, like they want to put it to be like on God, like on God. But if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, I'm lying. On God. We are lying saying that He raised Jesus from the dead when He did not. And then in verses 17 and 18, Paul says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. Again, He's continuing to carry this logic out. If what they believed is true, then their life situation is futile. Makes no sense, it is hopeless if we don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, again, we don't need to call ourselves Christians because we are still in our sins. We are still right now today in our sins if Jesus had not been raised. See, to deny the resurrection, the future is in effect a denial of the past. See, all this stuff is connected. If Christ had not been raised, we would not have had our sins forgiven in the past. So why did we pray a prayer? We're still in our sins. What happened in the past did not take place. If there was no resurrection, those who died in Jesus are still lost. If you have a family member who died trusting in Jesus, if the resurrection is not true, they are still in their sins and they are separated from God, if that is true. If he had not been raised. If there was no resurrection, there was no forgiveness of sins, and there is no hope for us here in the present. So every time that we we, we see atrocities like Ukraine or, or we see a senseless killing like just took place in Michigan, it's no reason for us to sit there and, and like God, I'm hoping for. Because that's the best it's gonna be. Like we're gonna continue to see this foolishness. We have no hope in the present. And if Christ has not been raised, we have no hope for the future. It's no sense of us looking at our children, trying to get them to go to school, and pouring into them, hoping that something better for them is coming, if Jesus had not been raised. And Paul would say in verse 19, if this is true, then we should be pitied more than anyone, because all of us here today are believing a lie. All of us. You see, there are dire consequences for rejecting the resurrection. Those who preach are bearing false witness. We are lying. And those who are believing that message are doomed as well. But then Paul gives us verse 20. He says, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who fall asleep. Jesus' resurrection guarantees that every follower of Christ will be raised from the dead. That's like a down payment. For those of us who bought houses, you know what you did. Thousands of dollars, down payment. When you put down payment, what you're saying is, I assure you that the rest of the payment is coming. When Jesus was raised from the dead, there was down payment to show. Not only was he raised from the dead, but all in Christ, they're going to be raised too because I'm going to raise them up. And we're going to be, have a glorious future. Because we're going to be just like Jesus in our resurrection. I love what Gardner Taylor, one of my favorite preachers, would say. He said, in that day, imagine that the angels are going to look at Jesus and they're going to look at us and say to one another, which one? Which one? The death of Jesus was painful on that Good Friday. We call it Good Friday because we know the result of it. But for the disciples, that was not a Good Friday. But Jesus died a painful death. Because there are young people in here, I will not get into the details, but we, we, we watered down that death that Jesus experienced for us. His body was ravaged for all to see. And when I thought about it, this is something that the African-American community knows quite well. Quite well. Because we have in this country witnessed lynching time and time again. 18-year-old Michael Brown on August the 9th, 2014. And I'm not talking about whether you agree with what happened or not, but I'm talking about the way that he was cut down. If you saw the video, you saw the shots that put him down. And you saw his body laying in Ferguson, Missouri, on the street on that hot summer day, decomposing before our very eyes. They left his body there for hours, rotting. In 1955, 14-year-old Emmett Till was dragged out of his home because of lies that were placed on him, and he was murdered. And they found his body, sent his body back to Chicago. His mom saw it, and when they had the funeral, she made sure that the body was exposed because I want you to see what happened to my son. Would God raise up a body like that? It looks like that. We wouldn't want that. Many of us have seen photos and pictures of lynchings in this country. Men and women hanging from trees. And you saw a whole community of people coming out like a spectacle. As a matter of fact, our picnics originate from that because they would have a picnic while they were lynching. And once they lynched these folks and they took pictures by them, they would send the pictures as postcards and cut the body up and send the body parts to family members who were not there. The lynchings. I'm using this word because of how James Cone tied the death of Jesus to lynchings of black and brown brothers in his book called The Cross and the Lynching Tree. You see, all of these bodies were disfigured. Jesus' body was disfigured, and the lynchings that had taken place in his country, their bodies were disfigured. Their deaths were manifestations of evil. But because of Jesus, if any of those people lynched were in Christ, the way that they were lynched does not have the last word. Because Jesus got out of the grave. He got up. His his resurrection assures us that those bodies hanging on the tree, those bodies laying in the street, even those Christians, because there were Christians who were on those slave ships, Coming from West Africa, there were Christians on there and those who jumped off the slave ship into the Atlantic Ocean to their death. Because Jesus got up, they're getting up. When God speaks, when that day comes, and I'm saying, come now, Lord Jesus. Come now, Jesus. Raise them up. Because their deaths are not in vain. Because they die hoping in the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. When Jesus was raised, his body was changed. Our bodies will be too. No matter what we experiencing on our bodies. I know my mother has a has has a physical ailment. Her body is, is as she gets older, it's being ravaged more. And I look at her, and she's not what she was. And, and but I know that the resurrection of Jesus is going to fix that. Anyone who may have a physical malady. This is true because when the disciples saw Jesus after he was raised, they were terrified and astounded. Why? Because the last time they saw Jesus, he was on the cross. And Isaiah 52, I believe, says that he was beaten so bad you couldn't recognize him as a man. But he had a new body. He has a new body right now. Look at what the Apostle John says in 1 John 3 and 2. He says, dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. God, which one? Which one? Fellow followers of Christ, because Jesus has been raised from the dead, we will be raised from the dead with a glorified body like his. No more COVID. No more flu, no more cancer, no more pain. Our bodies will be made new. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus didn't stay dead. I thank you that you raised him from the dead. Father, I pray that we will never minimize the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we will never minimize it. That we will realize that we are here today. We are here and we get to corporately worship with one another because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And right now we want to remember his work for us. His body broken and his blood shed on our behalf. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do ask this. Amen.